Hey everyone, welcome to episode 42 of the Solving Problems Podcast, where we talk about the real communication problems your church is facing and give you practical steps to solve them. If we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Carone. This season, we're talking about the things we have to admit to ourselves in order to more effectively communicate to the people we're trying to reach. In today's episode, the problem we're going to tackle is one that we have faced for really decades at this point. People think churches just want their money. Whether it's prosperity preachers buying planes for themselves or the local pastor wearing expensive suits and driving a Cadillac, there's a feeling amongst people both in the church and outside of it that churches just care about your money. And yeah, churches need money to operate, but it's not for the reasons we've been typecast and stereotyped about. The big idea for this week is that for us to reach people and give them a proper view of money within the church, we have to show them what their money goes towards and give them a vision of success. We can't just tell them God tells us to give because in our society, that feels like spiritual manipulation. And as we've talked about on the show before, people make decisions based on how they feel. In today's episode, we're talking with Brandon Shanks about how we cast the vision for giving instead of that quasi-spiritual manipulation or guilting to give that unfortunately the church is known for. Brandon is the lead pastor of City Hills Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Over the past couple of years, City Hills has moved from meeting in an old DMV in a strip mall that could barely hold 100 people per service into a large 67,000 square feet facility that has room for over 500 people every service they have. Through all that, they've had to raise money and move from a church plant mindset to operating with larger budgets and needing more money to do it. City Hills is the church I attended when I lived in Knoxville, so I've seen firsthand how Brandon casts this vision and gives people the right view of giving so they can impact their city. For now, I'm going to go ahead and bring the dance music back up, and then after that, Brandon will be on the other side. And we're back with Brandon. Brandon, go ahead and say hey to the people. What's up? So today's big idea is that people think the church just wants their money. And for us to reach people and give them a proper view of money within the church, we have to show them what their money goes towards and give them a vision of success that can speak against the preconceptions they have in their brain. So Brandon, the first question for you is super open-ended. But when you hear people say the statement that the church just wants our money, what do you think and how do you respond to that? Well, I want to say it's just an honor to be on here. And uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan, for the opportunity to be on here. And I love your heart behind this, trying to just eliminate anything that would keep people that don't know Jesus from um, from finding him and getting connected. And I, I told you earlier, I think uh, this topic is probably the... Uh, the last topic on like a list, if you want to give me a list of things to talk about, it's probably the last one that I just want to. But but actually, when I, when I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is probably the most important thing to talk about because I, you know, when I hear that, I totally get it. You know, I think I think there are just a, a lot of bad examples, you know, out there and, and sadly public examples of, um, you know, ministries, you know, misusing money or making it all about money. And, um, you know, the thing that the thing that kind of saddens me is that's kind of what gets the press a lot of times. You know, I grew up in a, um, a very healthy local church, um, that's, you know, been, um, going with, you know, with integrity for over 70 years. So, you know, there, I think that's probably the norm story, you know, when it comes to churches, I think there are so many churches out there that are just really doing things, you know, to the best of their ability with integrity and transparency and all that. But it's the, it's the crazy stories that, that show up on, you know, on our Twitter feeds and those type of things. So uh, 
I guess my response would be, I kind of get it. Um, but, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, there are, there, are, you know, there are bad examples in every type of industry. And, uh, I think, I think that's definitely not the, not the heart of God and not the heart of probably a lot of churches out there that are really trying to do their best. Yeah, I think that's one of the best responses we can have is if we show empathy and sh- like if we try to hide from it and just straight up shoot down people when they say that, it's going to feel kind of slimy. But when we can acknowledge it, like, yeah, I mean, there's been some people who've done it wrong. Like, yeah, it's just it's a it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it turns. I mean, it just makes my stomach turn anytime you know I see somebody. You know, it's just, oh, just it's just like a, I don't know, it's just a bad example of of what it means to be a believer. And 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 I, you know, a lot of times whenever I get in conversations with people and, and they're they kind of tell me about you know negative church experience or tell me they, hey, you know, I I grew up going to church but I don't anymore and I don't believe in God or you know any of those kind of conversations. I always approach it from t- tell me about the God you don't believe in or tell me about the church that that you don't want to be a part of. You know because. I kind of, I have a lot of horror stories myself, you know, growing up. Um, and so I'm like, many times I'm like, bro, I'm with you. I don't want to be part of that kind of church either. I don't believe, I don't believe in that kind of God you just described, you know? So I think so much of these, you know, these type of topics, I just think, you know, to your point, empathy and going back to the scripture going and going back to the scripture and specifically going back to Jesus and, and realize that, you know, that, that really is the example. And, and, you know, any, any person or church or, you know, ministry organization is, you know, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's an imperfect example at best. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just one of those things that just acknowledging that idea takes the guard down from the get go. It allows people to realize, okay, so they, they have a different view here. They're, they're willing to admit their failures. They're really willing to admit that they might screw up. And because of that, I'm willing to at least consider it. Sure. Yep. I think you're right. Going back a couple of years, do you remember the first sermon you preached the first night I showed up at City Hills? You showed up on a Saturday night, right? I did. There were like 12 people there. Saturday night, yeah, with like two people in the room. We were doing Saturday night services because we were meeting in a a warehouse that was hot in the uh, summer and cold in the winter and, and way too small. But Man, now that I think about it, um, I, I I do. Was it a money weekend? Whenever I was, it was, it was a money sermon. It was a, a like miracle offering something or oh, another. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's so funny. It was a Saturday night. You were leading. Like it was a one time thing to raise money for like kids ministry. Or I don't even remember what it was. I think at the time. So a little backstory for people. City Hills was meeting in an old DMV at the time. There was no room for children's space, and I think this was to get money for the the building across the street for kids ministry because yeah, yeah, we right. had to get a building across the parking lot just to have room for kids. <laughs> yeah. It was really, uh, really ideal, you know, really. Uh, <laughs> First night there, it was like, you were just trying to have Saturday night just to make room. And all of a sudden I show up and there's a giving sermon. <laughs> and so what I don't think I've ever told you is that, um, after we left, Nicole and I were debriefing because we're trying to decide as city Hills where, where we're supposed to be. And so we went through like, I think there's four or five different categories. We're like, rate these categories one through 10. It was like music, people, teaching kids, and like an overall vibe or something like that. The pastor. And, <laughs> and when we got to the preaching, I was like, 
I can't tell you if I like Brandon or not because it was a giving sermon and that was awkward. Like giving is just awkward, but I will tell you that he hit all the right points in all the right ways. So that's what made me want to talk to you about this because my first in-person impression of you was you were asking for people to give money and you did it in a way that we actually gave like either 500 or a thousand bucks to that uh, a couple weeks later, we had just started coming to the church, but it was set up for us in a way that we could get behind and that we believed in. And so that's what, that's kind of where I want to take this for the, the next little bit is when we talk about giving in church, there's two types of giving. There's the regular giving and then there's the extra capital campaign, one-time fundraisers, all those things. And the way City Hills did things and still does things, obviously yeah, we're not there anymore, but I, I get to check in occasionally. Um, you guys are pre-COVID, you still pass the offering bucket. Um, and I know many churches have gone away from that because they don't want to put that front and center. But how do you talk about giving on a week-to-week basis so that people have a proper view of it when you do that and to combat that idea that they just want the money? No, that's great, great, great question. I, you know, I think, um, I think it's a, at least for me, it's, it's a, it's, it's a progression and it's a process of, uh, I think in the early days, so City Hills is a little over five years old. And I remember, um, in the early days, we were, I was, I, I, we, I mean, I was t- terrified to talk about money because I didn't want people to have that type of perception that the church was all about, you know, all about wanting your money. We, you know, it was our heart when we, we moved here from Florida, we moved here to Tennessee, to Tennessee from Florida. And, um, one of the things my wife and I talked about all the time is we want people to have the feeling and impression and just, it'd be you know true that we don't want anything from people. We're here because we want something for people. And so we've never, um, you know, part of it comes from, um, we've always tried to, even from the very beginning, manage in such a way where we never needed a Sunday offering. So we, we don't need, you know, whenever asking for money, like, okay, you know, we're, you know, in dire straits. And, you know, I feel like part of it from a church perspective is just managing with integrity and margin and those type of things. So, so that, um, you know, you know, there's not, there's, you know, the house isn't on fire every single Sunday um, and, and those type of things. But I tell you what, one of the things that God started doing in my heart is I felt like I was keeping people from a great blessing of being of biblical stewardship and giving. And um, because there's so many, as I look back over my life, so many of the um, tangible ways that God has showed me personally that he exists and that he wants to move in my life has been whenever I've given financially. And so I think my trepidation around that was really kind of robbing the church from blessing. And it's not about some, I always talk about giving from a biblical perspective. In a biblical perspective, it has nothing to do with amount. It has everything to do with the heart. And so we want to lead people to be sacrificial people, sacrificial givers. You know, sacri- You know that's, that's the idea of the tithe in the Bible, that it's not um, equal amount, but it's just equal, it's equal sacrifice. It's, it's prioritizing our lives around the things of God. And, um, you know, we, we even instituted something on the, you know, very early on that, um, we called it the tithe challenge. I remember when we first started talking about that when the church was like 20 or 30 people. And, um, I've, I've, I can say now over, you know, a five year period, I've seen people that were willing to take that challenge, um, you know, I, I haven't w- once had someone come back to me and say, Hey, that was a total bust. You know, God didn't bless me at all. And, you know, I lost everything. And, you know, we've had a terrible, like 
I can tell you tangible story, like specific stories of people that, I mean, their life is a completely different, you know, in a completely different place. And not just, John, not just money. It's not like some kind of get rich quick scheme, but just in the way that they're just blessed, you know, just, just a blessed life. And that has to do with our families and our, you know, our mind and our emotion, you know, all of those things are, are part of that. So, um, I know it's a long answer, but but yeah, I, th- I think so much of it comes. It just has to be the heart of generosity and teaching people that you know the Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, and that's one of those things. It's hard to believe whenever you're, you know, whenever you're young. I try to tell it to my sons all the time. I have an eight year old, six year old, and a two year old, and I tell the older ones, you know, the blessing of giving, and uh, and I tell you what, it really is true. I mean, it really is true. Whenever you get, you know, the older you get and the more things you have you realize really kind of the things that you always have or trying to accumulate, those are the things that bring a lot of stress in your life. But man, there's so much joy in just being generous. And that's everything from, you know, how you tip someone at a restaurant to, um, you know, giving toward a, you know, an opportunity for, you know, for the kingdom of God or, or just making a difference in, you know, in little ways with your time, energy and, and effort. So that's, that's kind of some of my thoughts about how to communicate that to the church body. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode to tell you about a free resource I've put together for you. When you sign up, I'll send you five emails spread across five days to help you determine your church's one-of-a-kind flavor so you can begin setting yourself apart from every other church in town. This process is part of the messaging and strategy sessions I do for businesses and churches that normally cost $2,500. After one of these sessions, a lead pastor once told me that they'd been trying to figure this out for 10 years and I helped them nail it in under an hour. You can have this resource completely free by going to solvingproblemspodcast.com slash email and signing up. That's solvingproblemspodcast.com slash email for your free resource. Now let's get back to today's show. There is that tension of the Bible does say, it talks a lot about the blessings of if we trust God, he will do this, especially with our finances. But we've seen that manipulated through like the prosperity gospel. And so that's one of the biggest pushbacks that people have. So how do you and how would you coach someone to talk about that idea that God blesses us while staying away from the wrong view of Scripture and the manipulative view of more of a prosperity gospel? Yeah, I think it's what I was just sharing earlier from the perspective of it's it's not just money. I mean, this is not this is not a uh, give to get scheme. This is a give to give. You know, we, we give from a heart of generosity. So I, I think I think that just has to constantly be reminded. You're not giving to get God to love you. Some people think if if you don't give a certain amount or a certain percentage or whatever that you're, you know, you're cursed because of that. Some people even will, you know, take, you know, the book of you know, book of Malachi that where it talks about tithing and talks about, you know, there's a curse on your life, you know, if you don't give the tithe. You know, I, I'll say this. Jesus took away every curse. Satan couldn't curse a believer if he had to. There's no curse. Jesus took all the curse, every curse on the cross off of us. So so it's only blessing. And so that's what I, it's all about the motive. So much of following the Lord, so much of, you know, church, all these things we talk about, there's just such a tension to not get into some religious legalism where we're, at the end of the day, we're just using God to get to heaven or to get blessed or to get healed or all those type of things. It's, it's, man, we, we, we have so much that's the blessing in Christ that we have that we don't, 
you know, it's not about trying to manipulate God into doing something for us or twisting. I always talk about giving is not trying to twist God's arm. You know, some people think prayer or fasting or giving or coming to church is going to twist God's arm. And I, I say all the time, why would you even want to do that? He's a good father that's not going to withhold any blessing from your life. So you don't have to twist God's arm. And and I don't care how much money you have. It wouldn't twist God's arm. He's, he created everything, you know. So so I, I just try to keep that right, you know, keep that perspective. And, and that is a biblical perspective. I feel like when people get into that, um, you know, like you said, the prosperity gospel um, type, you know, conversation. I think, I think it becomes manipulating the scripture. And I'll say this too. I, I don't, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I also don't believe in the poverty gospel either. Some people mm-hmm. think that it's terrible to talk anything about the blessings of God and, Oh, you, you know, you don't need to think that. And I just think that is a, what a tragedy, <laughs> you know, what a tragedy that you would, you know, that, that I could give good gifts to my kids, but I can't celebrate the, you know, God giving blessings to us, you know? Um, and so I, just like I don't, you know, try to preach the the prosperity gospel, I think the poverty gospel equally really gives people a wrong view of God. Yeah, I think we have a bad theology of money in America. It just in general, we've we've you and I have had this conversation before, probably at Jason's Deli or something like that, <laughs> um, because that's where we always ate lunch for that's whatever right. reason. But there, there's this idea that um, yeah, e- either giving to God is going to make us rich, or because we are, we do have some money or because we are the richest nation in the world, we have to give all our money or we're not giving enough. Right, and, right. and we have biblical examples of people who were Christ followers who had a lot of money and they used that money to do really great things. And Jesus never shamed them. Paul never shamed them. It was a thank you for using your gifts that God has given you to further our ministry and further our reach to people. Yep. It's just the truth. I mean, you know, one of the things that um, that, that I was going through um, this past, I believe November, yeah, November, I, or no, the first of December, I did a message on giving. I talked about um, the promises, seven promises uh, from the scripture about people who give, and it's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's and, and um, immediately where people would automatically think it goes to is oh, it's gonna you know it's you know you're gonna get all this money back and. And that's that's not that's not even in there, you know. But it's. Can you give us the seven in a quick non-branded preaching? Yeah, let me put up. I, I can do it super, super, super quick. One is emotional health. Um, Jesus said, "I've said this earlier." There's, there's more. It, you know, we would say. I, I grew up learning the King James. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But the word "blessed" there actually means happy. And uh, I love this translation. It says there's more happiness in giving than receiving. So emotional health. It's tied to generosity. God promises my children will be blessed. Blessed are the, that says the godly are always generous and their children will be blessed. God promises he'll bless my work and my, in my business. Uh, God promises my influence will increase. The I love this verse, Proverbs eleven twenty four. the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Uh, fifth promise, God promises I will end up with more. Um, it says give and it will be given back to you in full measure. And that's not just finances. That's in every way. Any, you know, anytime we give God, God blesses back Uh sixth promise. God promises to meet all of my needs. Um, and then the seventh is um, this, and this is a powerful part of giving to your point. People can manipulate this, but it's, these are, these are the words of Jesus. And uh, he talks about in Matthew chapter six, that when you give, 
you're storing treasure for yourself in heaven where moth and you know vermin cannot destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so one of the promises of generosity is there's, I mean, they're just, they're blessings that are not tied to earth. And I don't understand what all that means. It's way beyond my pay grade. But I, but I just know this, that, and there's just, there's so many blessings in being a generous person. Switching gears a little bit, because the other type of campaign is one you've had to do a lot over the past couple of years as the church has grown. And that's the the capital campaign, the one-time fundraiser, whatever it is, because of where City Hills came from, a DMV that could barely sit 100 people, to now having this large building that you guys are into that I'm still jealous I left the week before the church moved into it. Um, so I've still never gotten to go to a service there. <laughs> so you, you've had to do a lot of these um, renovation campaigns or capital campaigns. How do you keep these? How do you approach these ideas? Because it's above and beyond a typical giving. So this is where it starts to really feel like, oh, the church just wants my money so they can get a bigger building. They just want this so they can do that. Uh, how do you keep the idea of these ideas at the top of people's mind, but not overemphasize them so that people think everything you're doing is about the building? No, that's that's good. I, you know, I feel like when it comes to those type of things, we just we move at the speed of people's generosity. So we don't, you know, it, there's we try not to put any pressure because there really, honestly, there is no pressure. I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, when it comes to we, we were we were sharing some of our vision for our facility, you know, of, of last um, last month, and. You know, I just am very clear with people like we're, we're, we're taking what you give and we're, you know, we're, we're investing it into the community. We're making a difference. Hey, this is a this is an above and beyond opportunity. And um, and there's there's no I don't know. I guess that would just say there's no pressure attached to it because the church is not a building. It's just a it's just a tool. And I would say this, too. I think it needs to be real. So I, I it needs to be I see sometimes people you know, giving toward things that it's not even really a need. It's more of a, it's more of a pie in the sky thing of, Hey, we're going to build this massive thing that, you know, we don't really have any people to fill it yet. But, um, I, I feel like all of our giving, we try to make it where it's actually really going to serve, um, you know, serve what's happening. It like, for example, we, we bought a, um, a sports facility that, you know, wasn't designed as a church originally. So for example, there's no bathrooms in our kids area. So, that's a, you know, that's a pretty big expense because we have to kind of rework how everything goes when it comes to concrete and those type of things. So one of the things that we um, kind of gave out as an opportunity is, Hey, we're going to have bathrooms in the kids area. So that's, that's one of those things. It's, you know, it's not, um, you know, we're not raising funds to do something that's, you know, people would say, well, that's not, not important. But I think, you know, when it comes to the kids and the next generation, like, Hey, that's super important that they have, you know, you know a secure place and all those kind of things. So, but I, I think I think it just I think sometimes there is a it, I'll just speak from you know experience of things I've seen in the past is you know the church has this never ending building fund that never really goes toward anything and what's it for and I, I feel like that could be discouraging to someone that's part of a church family but to me if you can tangibly see hey here's the need here's the way that you can be a part of it. Um, like I mentioned with the kids' bathrooms, food pantry, all those things. I mean, you can physically see those things taking place and, and that, it, you know, those are tangible next steps to make a difference in the community. So um, I, I would I would say it's both and. 
from a community perspective and a facility perspective. So how do you communicate that when it comes to messaging, when it comes to, um, cause really it's a marketing perspective. We're marketing this idea of giving what's some language that you've had success in using that people have connected to and what are, um, I'm sure at some point there's been a misstep. So what's a, what's a, a good thing and a bad thing in your time doing this? Well, I would, yeah. And I, w- I would say this from a, a clarity perspective. One of the things that I've never done and I, I've never asked for money. Like you, you talked about asking for money. That's, that is a philosophy of, of church that, um, that, that I learned from um, pastor Chris Hodges from church of the Highlands, listening to him, over the years, he's always said, "Hey, in the life of the church, I do not ask you for money." He, he said, "I," he said, "I just want to ask you to ask God if He would have you give, and if so, what that would be." And um, I, don't, I mean, that may, you know, some people say, "Well, that's the same thing," and I, I really disagree because I could say, "Hey, we need your money." The truth is, we don't need anybody's money. We just, you know, like the Lord could <laughs> miraculously provide, you know, however He wants to. You know, it's so it's not that God wants somebody's money or that the you know the church is going to go down if someone doesn't give. Um, it's not that at all. It's it's the blessing. It's the conduit. You know, we're blessed to distribute. We become a conduit of God's blessing in our own lives. We get to experience His blessings as we give. So, I think that's a that's a huge philosophy uh, that we've had since this church has started. Is hey, we're not asking you for money. You know, whether it's a building thing or a food pantry, we're just, this is an opportunity we feel like the Lord's putting before the church. Um, you know, we're, he's going to provide one way or another or, but pray, you know, pray and obey, you know, whatever the Lord would say to you for you to do. So, so I think that's one of the things that that's really guided a lot of it. You just pray and obey, you know? So if, if God says, Hey, you don't need to be part of this giving initiative. Hey, there's no, no shame in that. Nothing wrong with that. No one's going to, you know, call you or shame you about that, you know, or, or maybe God tells you give five bucks, you know, that's great. Or maybe the Lord says, give you know, more than that. But, but it's about, um, it's about praying and obeying and really leading the church in that and not, not, not guilting people into giving or serving or any, you know, that's, that's just such low octane. I mean, you may be able to, you know, I'm, you know some, you may be able to do that for, you know, for a little bit, but people are going to start seeing through that real quick. Um, you know, but I feel like if they're doing something in response to what the Lord, I mean, whenever I talked about the tangible things with giving for me, it started for me whenever I first got saved in my teenage years. And I felt like, I felt like the Lord, you know, said, Hey, give this amount of money to this missionary thing. And, um, the missionary, this missionary, um, endeavor. And I didn't give because my pastor said, Hey, Hey, we need your money. You know, we need you to give toward this. No, I, he just led us to pray. And man, the Lord like provided that every single month for me as a, you know, as a high school student. And that was, you know, an above and beyond thing. And I was able to give. And then when that initiative was over, you know, my pay changed and I didn't have that, that it was just like the Lord let that, you know, flow through my life as a teenager, just for that, you know, a 12 month period. And, and then things changed, but it was, um, it was a blessing to, to get to be part of it, you know? And so I, I think that's a, that's a big philosophy. We don't ask people for money. We just say, Hey, ask God. You know, we ask people to ask God, um, what he would have them give, um, or not, you know, that's awesome. And I think, 
that that shift is the one that if we can make, I think we can go a long way in changing this perception that we're trying to fight. Yeah. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you so much for your time today. Anytime, man. Thanks for doing this. That's it for this week on Solving Problems. Next week, we'll be talking to my friend Tally Wilgus of Captivate Church in Baltimore, Maryland, about how people think the church just cares about politics and how we navigate the messiness of the social issues Jesus talks about with the political things people are obsessed with today. We'll dive more into that then, but for now, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you choose. Share it with a friend if it helped you out, and make sure you sign up for your free resource at solvingproblemspodcast.com slash email so you can discover your church's one-of-a-kind flavor and begin setting yourself apart from every other church in town. Thanks for hanging out with us today, and I hope you have a great weekend.